1: be 90 years old and perhaps never having picked up a paintbrush, art really penetrates deep into the heart and soul and gives people a sense of being alive.
0: If you're a creative person, if you're a baker, a dancer, a photographer, a screenwriter, an actor, a comedian, a podcaster, and you want to figure out how to make a living doing what you love, this is the show. This is the show don't Keep Your Day Job. My name is Kathy Heller and I'm a singer-songwriter. I make a living doing what I love and I want that for you. This is the show that's gonna help you do that and give you not only inspiration but some real life strategies. This is gonna help you figure out how to take your creative passion and turn it into a profit. This episode of Don't Keep Your Day Job is brought to you by Blue Apron. Check out this week's menu and get your first three meals free with free shipping by going to blueapron.com slash you will love how good it feels and tastes to create incredible home cooked meals from blueapron.com slash dream Hey guys, it's Kathy Heller. Welcome back to another episode of Don't Keep Your Day Job. I wanna give a shout out to some more of you who continue to send me your work. I love it. I get so many submissions every single day and I've been going through them and it's hard to pick my favorites cause they're all really special and impressive but I just wanna give a shout out to a few people and I'm gonna continue to do this. Uh, so Jean Summers, she sent me greeting cards, and it's so cool. She said she lives in a beach community on um, Woodby Island near Seattle, where she spends a lot of time kayaking and exploring tide pools. So she takes photographs, and then from her photographs, she makes these beautiful beautiful greeting cards. So I love that. Um, also, Holly Sachs, she sent me a link to her Etsy shop um, where she is making some beautiful handcrafted things. She's weaving these beautiful, beautiful things, and her Etsy shop is called Thistle and Bee. She also told me that after she stumbled upon the podcast about three days after, she put in her three weeks notice to leave her job, and she's been weaving these beautiful wall hangings in her spare time for about six months, and she's ready to pursue it full-time. So that's amazing. Way to go, Holly. That takes a lot of courage, and I love it. Love, love, love hearing that. I wish you all the success in the world. Antoine Breton, he sent me two songs. He's a jazz pianist, and uh, I love listening to what he's what he's up to. So if you want to continue to send me your work, and if you want to be on the podcast, if you want to be a featured guest, if you want me to sit down and interview you, and over the next three months, you want to continue to show me your work, and you want to get both of those things done, show me your work and be on the podcast, then here's what you're going to do. Go to NoDayJobs.com. That's N-O-D-A-Y-J-O-B-S, No jobs.com. And sign up for the three month challenge. And what I'm doing, some of you have already jumped in and have begun the three month challenge. What I'm doing is this I'm going to be keeping up with you, keeping you accountable, checking in with you. And then over the next three months, as you're showing me what you're doing and listening to the podcast and taking things that you're learning and implementing them, at the end of three months, I'm going to choose several people and I'm going to have you on as a guest. And not only will that give you massive exposure because we have a very big audience, thanks to you guys, um, but it's going to be something that's going to inspire everybody else. And it's not a matter of making $300,000 in the next three months or getting an award for something. It's a matter of you taking action because while it's inspiring to listen to people who we have on who've been doing this for years and who are now very successful, it's also really inspiring for people sitting on the sidelines to see someone else beginning and then getting out of their own way and having that courage to do something about it every single day listening to the podcast, and actually taking the advice and taking the suggestions and taking action. Because what you're going to find is that in a very small amount of time, the action you take is going to create a lot of momentum. And I want to have you on. I want to hear how it's going. And I think that's going to be just as inspiring in a different way than having guests on who've been doing this for years. So go to nodayjobs.com and sign up for the challenge. And I will be having the ability then to connect with you, keep you accountable, check in with you, see your work, And then at the end of three months, I'll be featuring several people who've been doing this challenge on the show. I can't wait. So many of you have already begun. And um, if you guys want to help our show and you guys want to show me what you're doing, go on to Instagram, follow me at Kathy.Heller. It's C-A-T-H-Y And take one of your favorite quotes from the show. And you can help our show so much by tagging me in a photo and Letting us know what you're doing and give a shout out to the show. Give a shout out to the show on Instagram. Give a shout out to the show on Facebook. And it helps so much because of you, because of your support. This has been a grassroots effort and we've now have so many people listening to the show and we're creating this movement of reminding everybody that happiness is an inside job and changing the world starts with one person. It starts with us. And it's really important for us to get busy doing what we love. And that's why I created the show. And thanks to you, the support of the show has grown and so many people are listening. And if you want to continue to help support our show, follow us on Facebook, Um, go to Instagram and uh, follow me and then tag me. Give a shout out to our show. Post a quote, post something that inspired you from the show um, and tell your friends to listen. That would be so, so awesome. Thank you guys for supporting our show. If you want to hear all of the takeaways and um, highlights from each episode, you can go to don'tkeepyourdayjob.com and you can check out the podcast page. And for every episode, our producer, Emma Kikuchi, puts together a list of all the takeaways that I recite and she puts together a list of any resource that anyone has mentioned. It'll be there so you guys can sort of get the Cliff Notes crib sheet for every episode by going to don'tkeepyourdayjob.com. Thanks again to Blue Apron for supporting this podcast. Check out this week's menu. Get your first three meals free with free shipping by going to blueapron.com slash dreamjob. Not all ingredients are created equal, and we know this. Fresh, high-quality ingredients taste better, and they're better for you. So it's important to know where your food comes from. Every single week, the box arrives, and my kids get so excited because the food is not pre-prepared. It's just pre-proportioned, and the food is all there and fresh. So we take it out of the box. It's been sitting on dry ice, and we get to be part of this process. We get to make the meal, but it takes all the guesswork out. There's a recipe card, and then all the ingredients are pre-proportioned so that there's no waste. They're very conscious of being eco-friendly, and we make these delicious fresh meals it's really easy each meal comes with a step-by-step easy to follow recipe card and pre-proportioned ingredients that can be prepared in 40 minutes or less but the recipes are not repeated within a year so you'll never get bored thanks again to blue apron for supporting this podcast you can check out this week's menu and get your first three meals free with free shipping just go to blueapron.com slash Thank you guys for supporting our sponsors. I just want you to know the sponsors have a lot of options when it comes to choosing which podcast to sponsor. They sponsor the show because they believe in the community that listens to the show. And so we're really grateful to them. And to say thank you to them, we can just try their product for free. And by trying their product for free, you're also really significantly helping our show. So it's win, win, win. I love you guys. I'm proud of you. I love this community. I love that we're creating a movement of people who are taking responsibility for our own happiness and getting out of our own way and realizing that we deserve to be happy and that we have so much to share and that us being alive and feeling good is enough of a reason to get busy taking some action so i hope that you're listening to the guests on the show and i hope that you're seeing that it is all doable and that you do deserve it and that with certain strategies that you're hearing They all continue to be similar. These certain strategies of just going for things and trying things and the certain ways that we reverse engineer what's worked for other people and opening our eyes and understanding that if you can study what's worked for somebody else, what took them five years, what took them 10 years to build, by listening to them over an hour on this show, you can reverse engineer it and you can save yourself years by just listening to some of the tactics. So today on our show, we have Rebecca Schweiger. She is the founder and creative expert of the Art Studio New York. The Art Studio New York is the number one art school in new york city but not only did she start this incredible art school she herself is a renowned artist Um, her work has been exhibited and purchased in over 50 galleries and museums throughout the world she's won many awards for her powerful evocative artwork her stuff is gorgeous she's been praised in the new york times the boston globe uh, the village voice nbc abc she's been praised everywhere her work is truly gorgeous you should definitely go and check it out but what i'm really impressed by is not only has she created a life for herself as a visual artist but she took her love of painting and she took the joy she found and wanted to help other people to release their creativity so she actually published a book which comes out today which is called release your creativity and it's 15 projects that anyone can do to sort of get you in that space of getting out of your own way and beginning to be your authentic self and find your creative voice so it's good for anybody no matter what your creative Pursuit. And it's available on Amazon as of today. And she's fantastic. So I can't wait to dive in and hear what she has to say. So hi, Rebecca. Hi, Kathy. (laughs) I'm so happy you're here. I personally am such a fan of your beautiful work. So let's talk about how you became such a success doing your visual art. And then we're going to talk about how you started your school and then your amazing book, which comes out today. So let's first start with you and your journey and how you were able to make a living being a visual artist.
1: Absolutely. Well, first of all, thank you for having me on your show. And I've been following your success and feeling inspired by all of the different podcasts you've had already. And I'm really grateful to be speaking with you. From a young age, I always felt very drawn to self expression. Mm -hmm. And I felt that there were many opportunities in life to express myself very genuinely and very authentically. And that was really all very much a calling for me. The other calling for me was that I never wanted to be a starving artist. And so from a young age and surrounded by a lot of entrepreneurs and thinkers and doers and my family, there were a lot of seeds planted from a young age. But I would say that it was the drive to create a life that I really love. Mm-hmm. And I decided from, let's say, the time I was a teenager to jump further into art. And when I went to art school, I went to sc- the School for the Arts at Boston University Mm -hmm. And I would say the first big decision of should I go the safe route or should I go the follow my heart route was when after studying a variety of what they call the core curriculum, fine arts classes, uh, I had actually decided I would go into graphic design, which is amazing. Not necessarily my personal calling, but felt like more of a safe choice. And I took one graphic design class and not only did I not have any graphic design talent but (laughs) I it it was not exciting to me it was for me boring for other people it's so exciting for me I felt like okay this is probably not the best fit Uh, however this was my game plan so now what do I do in the meantime I had completely fallen in love with painting I found that when I painted Uh, The rest of the world just melted away. I felt like when I had a paintbrush in my hand and I was in front of the canvas, I really felt like the best version of myself. I felt like I could say things that I hadn't had permission to say. I felt empowered in a way that I perhaps hadn't felt in the past. And I felt like I was really allowing myself to be visible for myself and and in the world. And so my choice was, you know what, I'm going to take a risk. I'm going to continue on painting even though a lot of influences around me were saying like what you're going to you're going to be right. a painter you're going to be poor and live on the street. Right. And I really I trusted myself and I allowed what I felt to be my joy and a sense of purpose to guide me rather than my fears and my concerns of you know what if how am I going to make a living. Well, and so awesome. I jumped in fully And I, of course, continued my education and graduated with a degree in painting. But all the while, I thought, if I'm going to do this, if I'm going to, quote unquote, be an artist and be a painter, I'm also, I, I felt a sense of a mission to prove that I could succeed at it and that I wasn't going to become what I felt a lot of people think of as artists, these starving artists and struggling artists, I felt there has to be another way. And so early on, and I was still in college in Boston, I started exhibiting my artwork at a variety of different art galleries. And I was aggressive, I was shameless. And (laughs) (laughs) I marched myself into galleries, and started attending a lot of different art events that were geared more towards, you know, full professionals. And, you know, I was about like 19 or 20 and I was by far the youngest, youngest person in every room by, you know, 20 to 30 years. And I just put my pedal to the metal and said, I'm going to do whatever it takes mm-hmm. to move forward as an artist uh, and to really achieve a certain level of success that I really want to achieve. And that was the first step. So you were
0: doing that while you were in school or when you graduated?
1: I was still in school. So you
0: would walk yourself in, which takes a lot of courage, to these galleries and you would ask if they would exhibit your work? I would walk into the
1: galleries and the system of, of galleries and getting artwork into galleries has changed over the years. However, the system is somewhat the same in which there are gallery owners or directors of galleries, all of them have access to tons of incredible art and tons of incredible artists. And so I would go in and I would chit-chat, attend art openings, develop relationships, and experienced and explored the art of developing these relationships and connections first. So I wouldn't just march in and say, hi, I'm Rebecca Schweiger, I'm an artist, you should exhibit my artwork. Mm -hmm. It was more of, wow, I love the artwork in this gallery. I, I am really curious about your choice about this artist. Tell me more about them. When are your art openings? And, and, and it was genuine. I was genuinely interested in yep. learning about how does an artist go from painting in their art studio to having artwork on the walls of prestigious art galleries and selling mm-hmm. their artwork. And so it became an experiment and I became, you know, like the mad scientist yes. and I learned as I went. And there was one particular art gallery that I connected with and we developed a relationship. And the last two years of my being an undergraduate in art school, I was exhibiting my artwork and selling my artwork there. And what was
0: that like when you were, that must have been exhilarating when you first sold your piece. I mean, that's an amazing thing.
1: I remember selling my first painting And it was a large abstract piece that was purchased by art collectors in Colorado. I was not even told their names and told information about them. One day the gallery just called me and they said, you sold women in blue, which was the name of the oil painting. (laughs) And it was incredible to me that I could pour my heart and soul onto the canvas And express my vulnerability and my inner world in a way that was so personal to me on canvas, through color, through texture, through a mode that was really all about who I am and how I see the world. And that a perfect stranger, who I would not even recognize on the street, Mm -hmm. was so moved and taken by my expression that they wanted to not only purchase this piece of artwork, but hang it in their home.
0: What would you make for your first painting?
1: I sold my first painting for about it was either two thousand or twenty five hundred dollars. Rebecca, uh, that was that was,
0: that was <laughs> and that
1: was what came to me because art galleries usually have a split with the artist. So oh I'm my sure. My lord, I, <laughs> and so I think at that time I was twenty and more twenty than years any, old,
0: making two thousand or twenty five hundred dollars for something that you love doing amazing. It,
1: it was definitely a thrill. And I would and say you're totally no-
0: unknown. You weren't like a famous person by any stretch. It was all because of the work. It was because of the artwork. And it was
1: because I was willing to really do whatever it takes, which I'm sure we'll talk about again. But it was, it was not only making the artwork, it was the attitude that I had in terms of how far was I willing to go to get my artwork out into the world. And From selling the piece, in addition to feeling amazing about someone paying a nice amount of money for my artwork, it felt like a real confirmation that I was on the right path. And that gave me the fuel to keep marching forward.
0: Yeah. Awesome. So what happened next? So now you're finishing up school. You've already sold some pieces. Now what happens? You graduate and how are you going to pay the rent and make enough money to support you full-time
1: exactly so a few things happened i had sold a number of pieces of artwork by this time i'm 21 or 22 and while many would say wow she's completely living the dream already i felt like something was missing uh, so here I am, I have an art studio and I have people collecting my artwork and galleries that I'm being represented by and selling artwork. And there was a piece for me that was missing, which was the following. I felt like the experience of painting and the experience of art making was so enriching and so fulfilling for me mm-hmm. that while, while yes, I wanted to sell my artwork, I wanted to also share the creative experience with people and not just artists and not just people who can afford paintings and not, not people who are always museum goers. I wanted for the average person to be able to tap into their creativity and to feel the benefits that I was feeling when I was painting.
0: And And you, you knew that at 21. That's, that's amazing. Okay.
1: Yeah. What'd you do? So around that time, I graduated college and I actually moved to Israel for a year. I was an artist in residence uh, and I was going to be traveling and exploring and I would have an art studio there. I was going to exhibit in museums and galleries there. However, before then, I had about five or six months. And so I I was preparing for a very large art exhibit that I was going to have. And in the meantime, I started teaching and little did I know at the time that that teaching experience would completely change my life. I had taught at a nursing home in Springfield, Massachusetts. I'm from a town nearby. And I actually just walked in Mm -hmm. one day to the nursing home and offered to volunteer to teach a class. I just had a hunch that it was going to be something that would be fulfilling and I was very interested in giving back to the community. I ended up teaching about a 9 or 10 week class.
0: It's so nice Rebecca, so lovely. Thank you. Wow.
1: So I taught a class to the mm-hmm. residents and the experience was completely completely transformative. And so when I when I started it, even the staff of this nursing home while they thought, oh, this is, this is wonderful for the residents, they didn't feel that that much progress would be made in terms of bringing out the creative abilities of these residents. The residents were men and women well into their 80s and 90s uh, with a lot of health problems, some of them not mm-hmm. making visual contact, some of them not being able to verbally express themselves. And so Mm -hmm. when I taught my first class, I created very simple, hands-on art projects. You didn't have to have any artistic background or knowledge. It was really all about the process and all about just tapping into a little dose of creativity. And what ultimately happened through the weeks was, I would say, like nearly miraculous. Um, There are about 25, quote-unquote, students in the class And there were many who either hadn't uttered a word in months, hadn't smiled, hadn't been seemingly able to make eye contact, people who were incredibly depressed. There were new signs of life. People were laughing. People were talking. People were making eye contact. People who hadn't been responsive at all. Were suddenly responsive. I mean, it's not like people got out of the wheelchairs and started dancing on the tables, but there were very visible signs of of
0: their soul being alive. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, This would be an amazing documentary,
1: wouldn't that be cool to? It would be incredible. And the staff of the nursing home had said to me after, let's say, three or four weeks, they said we have worked here for, you know, 15 years, 30 years, 20 years. We've never seen something like this happen within a group of people. And a light bulb really went off in my head and in my heart. And I thought I just proved to myself what I already knew, which was that art really allows the soul to become alive and allows the heart to open. And you could be a Picasso or you could... Be 90 years old and perhaps never having picked up a paintbrush, art really penetrates it deep into the heart and soul and gives people a sense of being alive and creates a very meaningful sense of connection. And that's really what we all want in our life. We want to feel alive. We want to feel fulfillment. We want to feel connection. And so these people mm-hmm. who were in this you know, difficult situation towards the end of their lives, had this opportunity to really plug back into an outlet that made them feel alive again. And so from there, I started to continue my experiment of, well, what would happen if such and such group of people were exposed to art? So what would happen if art was brought to a community of teenagers with behavioral challenges? What would happen if uh, children with developmental challenges were able to express themselves through art? What would happen if uh, people suffering yeah. from anxiety and depression or other challenges had an opportunity to connect creatively? And that's what I focused on for the next number of years. So when I came back, I did a few things. I Well, I moved to New York City. I figured if I'm going to really tap into the art world, no better place than New York City. And at this point, I was, let's say, 23-ish. I was on fire spiritually after spending a year in Israel. And I had also had a lot of professional success while in Israel. I had exhibited my artwork in major museums and galleries. I'd connected with collectors from, you know, the Middle East and Europe, and I also had additional opportunities to teach. And so now I was feeling more and more comfortable with my hypothesis of it's time to create an artistic revolution. It's time Mm -hmm. to really bring creativity to the masses and to break down these barriers that art is only for the ultra-talented or Mm -hmm. the ultra-wealthy that can buy you know, $100,000 pieces of art to hang in their mansion. I thought this is um, a wall that needs to be crumbled. So I moved to New York and I actually worked in the nonprofit Jewish community for about three and a half years. Mm -hmm. And while doing that, I was exhibiting my artwork and Mm -hmm. teaching and continuing to teach in, I would say, less traditional settings where I felt art could be a very productive and uplifting way for people of all ages and all backgrounds to get more in touch with who they were and to have a very safe place to express themselves. Great. So while I was working in the nonprofit world, it was an incredible opportunity to learn how to run a business. I was uh, the program director of a small organization and I really helped grow their programs and grow their clientele and hone in on their mission to inspire others to live a more fulfilling, inspiring life, which certainly I was very much in tune with. And at a certain point, I was about 26 years old and I was sitting in my office and I thought, wow, I'm spending so much time nurturing someone else's dream, but Mm, I I have my own dream. And it's time to really put all of this energy into nurturing my own dream. And within a matter of months, I left this job, which had been an amazing opportunity. But it was it was just time to move on. Mm -hmm. And I decided, you know, the prior years I had thought about, you know, what is my dream? If I could just wave a wand, what would it look like? Mm -hmm. And I really had my heart set on creating some sort of creative expression or artistic expression center where it wasn't about talent and it wasn't about age and it wasn't about what your background is. I had Mm -hmm. this vision of creating a very inspiring, safe and encouraging school, let's say for lack of better words, or program Mm -hmm where people could come and feel like they can just be themselves and express themselves. And for me, because I'm so inspired and passionate about art and the arts, I felt, well, what better way than to do this through art? And at this point, when I realized it's time to move forward, I rented a new apartment. And I was not totally ready to take on, you know, a 10,000 square foot commercial space in New York City. I thought, let me move into a larger apartment and let me make one of the bedrooms into the art studio and dip my toe in a little bit. Yeah. And so I started the business literally by standing on, for anyone who knows New York City, on Broadway and West 86th Street, there was a tasty delight and it was in the spring and I stood outside with flyers and balloons and for hours just handed flyers, hot pink flyers that said art classes to every stranger that walked by. And from there, established my first class with about five students. And that wow. was the beginning.
0: Wow. Wow. And tell us where that has grown, because now you have, I think it's like the best known art school, you know, in New York City. How would you phrase it? Yeah.
1: So the Art Studio New York now is rated the number one art school by many different media outlets. Time Out New York. We've been in New York Magazine. We've been on... on NBC News. We've been in the New York Times, Boston Globe. uh, The list goes on. Thank God. I feel very, very grateful.
0: And your studio has now how many classes and how many students?
1: We have about 100 classes a week. And we have in each class, the sizes range, but we have about 1000 students coming to the studio every week. And in addition to that, We work with a lot of different corporations, small business and medium-sized businesses, as well as schools in the New York metropolitan area. So there are a variety of other venues in which we work on a weekly basis.
0: It's amazing. How did you grow it from five people in your first class in your apartment to what it is now? Uh,
1: If I broke it down into descript, I could explain the actions, but I would say it was more the attitude, major perseverance, a lot of focus, never giving up, and being 100% committed to doing whatever it takes. And I would say, underneath that all, a lot of courage.
0: Can you give us some examples of stories where you had to impart that hustle or that perseverance where or ways that you were able to sort of climb that mountain? Absolutely. Well, first off,
1: when I decided, you know, when I had this aha moment that I was going to leave this somewhat um, steady job with a steady paycheck and health benefits, and, you know, this feeling of, I have my own dream, it's really time to right. spread my own yeah. wings, I shared this with a lot of family members and friends, of of whom were always generally supportive, but I think it was my first bigger leap, and... I cannot say that a ton of people were supportive. Uh, Hmm. I can say that there was a lot of uh, gentle concern and the sentiment of, do you really know what you're doing? Like, what are you going to do if this doesn't work out? I know. Why would you leave something so secure? Maybe you should X. Maybe you should Y. A lot of, of doubt and a sort of like raining on my parade. And I was able to separate that and not take it personally. Mm -hmm. Uh, I had given thought to this. This was not a decision that I had made within 24 hours. Uh, (laughs) I did have a plan, and I did really consider, well, I'll do whatever it takes to make this a success. Mm -hmm. And I think it was challenging initially because... For me, when something feels so real to me, like I can almost touch it. I can almost taste it. I can feel it. And it's just a matter of time. It's almost like when the buds are about to blossom out of the trees at springtime. It's just a matter of time until that bud appears and turns into a fully bloomed tree. There's this moment before that happens where it is a real leap of faith and an inner knowing. And so for me I had the inner knowing, but I didn't have that much support around me. And so I had to really dig my heels in
0: mm-hmm. and
1: trust and trust myself and not listen to a lot of the chatter of people who I love and who love me. They were really just concerned. They they really just wanted to see the best for me. And they were not feeling and tasting on the inside what I was right. feeling and tasting.
0: What were some of the tangible steps that you took in order mm-hmm. to grow your your reach?
1: So my first step of handing out flyers, um, I looked at things similarly to that. I thought, what other small businesses in New York City exist? I opened my eyes And I became like x-ray vision eyes to everything I did. So, for example, if I went to the theater, I paid attention to, well, how did they market this? How did they fill this theater with 50 people or 500 people? If I went to uh, some sort of class, an educational adult class, I thought, well, let me reverse engineer this here are a hundred people sitting here interested in what, you know, such and such person has to say, what steps did they take? Mm -hmm. And then I have to be honest and say that having worked in the nonprofit world and having run programs, this was not unfamiliar to me. Making flyers, having a website, a lot of word of mouth, attending events, networking, getting out of my comfort zone, being my number one fan. Like, I had to yeah. become my number one fan. Yep. And I had to, well, I didn't have to. I had fun with acting as if it was five years ahead and I had already reached a certain level of success. So, how did I become the number one art studio in New York City? Because I. It's like I became the number one art studio in New York before it was the number one art studio. Yeah. I yeah. acted as if and I it was almost like writing a screenplay. I wrote the scene before it even existed. And then other steps that I took, uh, I mean I did, you know, a lot of marketing, some promotions, word of mouth, but I think the best thing I did was have and create a certain environment where people felt safe and i just i knew because it was something that i've always yearned for and i've and when i've experienced it it's been transformative if i create that for people and they experience a transformation in their own lives or they feel stress relief or they feel a sense of joy they haven't felt in a long time or mm. a sense of safety or a sense of connection sure. or feeling energized, whatever it is. It's, it was something different for each person. But I knew if I could offer that to people, then they would not only want more and return, they would naturally tell other people. I had a very uh, technique-based or more traditional artistic education. Mm-hmm. Well, I took that and I really combined it with my love for self-expression and my passion for encouraging and empowering people to really be who they are and express themselves and and own that and live that and be that. And I combined the two together so that, yes, if you wanted to learn how to paint, come and learn how to paint. But it's not only about creating a pretty bowl of fruit. It's really about becoming an artist, not only of your artwork, but of your life. And so people were experiencing the art class but then leaving the art class feeling uplifted and feeling empowered and feeling inspired and excited. And what I feel I was offering to people, it was something that people really wanted and needed. And so what started with five students grew to 10, grew to 20, grew to 50, grew to hundred. And it just grew like a weed. And 13 years later, it's grown into a forest
0: and it's now like turning into a jungle. Wow. And how long into this, after you started the first class, did you start the school itself where it was its own space and you rented its own space? Mm -hmm.
1: Well, after operating in my apartment, a few years later, so that within the first three years, the Art Studio New York grew quite a bit. And instead of the art studio being in my bedroom, (laughs) I moved it into the living room which was a space like three times the size. Mm-hmm. And at this point, I really was spending a lot of time outside of New York City, and I was coming in and out of the city for work. And after, I would say it was about three or four years, I was, I was faced with the decision of, I either have to scale this back because it's growing so much and it can't continue to operate in my apartment, with just me and at this point I had hired a number of instruct teachers and incredibly talented artists but the, uh, more infrastructure was needed mm-hmm. so I either had to scale back which was not of interest to me or I needed to take a really big leap and find a much bigger space that would allow the business to multiply mm-hmm. and that's exactly what I did and I put the feelers out there and basically the most perfect space possible sort of fell from the sky. And, and I jumped in and it was very, very exciting and very, very challenging. And I rode the waves and, and took the opportunity to sort of be fierce in my commitment to spreading the power of creativity and self-expression. And you were continuing to paint and
0: sell your own work all throughout this time as well?
1: Yes, uh, I was continuing to paint and exhibit my work. And what what started to happen was this really beautiful weaving between teaching others. You know, they say we teach others what we actually really need to learn for ourselves. And so there was no mistake that I was teaching others how to show up more in their lives and how to feel more empowered and feel more alive and just to express themselves not only in their artwork, but in their lives to really look at life like I'm the artist and my life is my canvas and what is it that I want to create? And this actually surprised me because I I always felt like, oh, my dream is to be, you know, full-time what they call a gallery artist. Mm -hmm. And while I saw a lot of success there, I found that running my business Mm -hmm. and offering and sharing the power of creativity with others through the Art Studio New York Mm -hmm. was so fulfilling to me that I made a conscious choice to put more of my energy there. But a very interesting thing happened you know, and there are a lot of challenges to being an entrepreneur and there are a lot of challenges to being a creative entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. And one of the challenges I faced was how to create a certain amount of balance. And it's something I still practice. I've come a long way, but I'm not <laughs> I'm not there yet. Right. When someone feels so passionate and, and such a sense of a calling towards something, yeah. it's hard to hold back. And so for me, I poured all of my energy with joy. I I was excited to do so. And this was more the beginning years. You know, there were nights where I'd stay up till two in the morning working and working on the website and creating a new program and answering emails. And it was like, there were never enough hours in the day. Mm -hmm. And what I started to realize was that It's going to be challenging for me, maybe not for someone else, but for me to fully run a business in New York City and to give it the attention that I want to give and to create an environment where people are really feeling inspired to create lives that they love and Mm -hmm. to feel inspired through the creative process of expressing themselves through art and to create my artwork and To pound the pavement and to maintain relationships with galleries throughout the world and to fly around the world to give discussions with my artwork, selling my artwork, having art openings. And so I made the conscious decision by asking myself the following question. Why am I doing this in the first place? And I sat on that for a bit of time and I realized I realized why I was quote unquote, doing it, why I had created the Art Studio New York and and what that calling was all about for me and how I was really changing, you know, my little corner of the world in impactful ways. Mm -hmm. When it came to my own artwork, I realized that for me, painting was really soul food for me. Mm -hmm. And it was like dipping my soul in a bath and sort of like an elixir um, for my own soul and that it really wasn't about while I love exhibiting and selling my artwork that's not why I was doing it Mm -hmm. I was really making my own artwork because it was my own spiritual practice and it made me feel alive and made me feel like me it allowed me to come home to myself over and over and over again and I asked myself if one day I'm 90 years old and I have never sold another piece of artwork, would I still paint? And I immediately said yes, of course. And so at that point, I decided to put more of my energy into growing the Art Studio in New York, continuing putting energy into making my own artwork and experimenting with putting a little less, not completely cutting it off, but a little less energy into managing and fostering and developing my relationships with art collectors and galleries. And an amazing thing happened, which is the following. Once I let go of that, I didn't cut a cord. It was just more of a surrender. I thought, you know what, I'm just going to let go. And I can't be 50 people in 50 places at every hour of the day. I, I need to, you know, catch my breath a little bit here. Yeah. And whatever will be, will be. And at that moment, within, let's say, a number of months, I actually ended up seeing, and to this day, more opportunities to sell and exhibit my artwork than I ever had when I was ultra, ultra focused on it. Oh,
0: that's amazing. I can totally relate to that whole story, my own journey. But I want to get now to your book because. incredible and you you. can see why it's incredible because hearing your why and hearing how dedicated you are to having um the ability to help other people have this experience and to be freed and released and to find an outlet and to be able to live their life the way that they really truly authentically want to. So let's talk about the book because it comes out today. It's called Release Your Creativity, Discover Your Inner Artist with 15 Simple Painting Projects. Let's go through it and talk about what's really in this book. Let's talk about these chapters a little bit. So we already know, I think, why you wanted to write it. Let's just talk about the first chapter and then we'll, we'll talk about a few because I love the first chapter, first people who are listening. The first chapter is called, Where Should I Start? So tell us, what does that mean? Where do you start? If you're listening to this show right now and you're inspired by Re- what Rebecca's saying, Rebecca, what do you say to us? Like, how does somebody start?
1: Absolutely. Well, there's where to start and where not to start. So to start requires some inner conversations. First of all, anytime we start anything new, there's always fear. And I point this out only because I know in my own journey as an artist and as an entrepreneur, one of the most challenging obstacles that I faced over and over and over again was major fear, debilitating fear, where I was pretty much frozen. And I'm grateful that I'm the type of person that perseveres and, and moves through a challenge. And so I learned how to, let's say, run towards fear rather than run away toward.
0: What would you be afraid of?
1: I think that I had a conversation within myself that I didn't deserve. You know, there was a lot of oh yeah, I don't no I don't deserve. I don't deserve to be successful. I don't deserve to be the level of happy that I want to be. I don't deserve to really and fully express myself you know there was a lot of like I don't deserve and then fill in the blank and and most likely whatever whatever adjective you can come up with I probably told that to myself yeah and then there was a lot of fear I think there was fear of failure but there was equally fear of success Mm -hmm. so I had a lot of like success fear and I had a lot of fear and I still feel fear this but not as much I think that what I want the most is what I'm afraid of the most, which is really in a very vulnerable, genuine way, being seen. And I actually think we all long to be seen, but then we're all... Well, I shouldn't speak about everyone. For me, there are a lot of different fears that go along with being seen and and really showing my truest form to the world. And so as I was writing this book, Release Your Creativity... I allowed it to, you know, I I took on the challenge of sharing with others not only what I teach to my students, but what I've learned for myself in my daily life, in my entrepreneurial life, in my personal life. And I really thought to myself, what pieces of being an artist, of being creative have completely, completely changed my life? And what are the tools on a daily basis that I've learned to practice that have allowed me to create a better life for myself and a more fulfilling, purposeful life? Mm -hmm. And so, in the book, there are 15 different art projects that anyone can do. So, you know, if you're the person who says, Yeah, but I don't have a creative bone in my body. I can't even draw a straight line. I can't draw a stick figure. So where to begin? The first place you begin is change that conversation or have that conversation, but just do it anyway. And in terms of, you know, where do you start? There are a variety of questions that I think are important to ask yourself. I think that when we begin a new chapter in our lives, whether the chapter is, I want to take a painting class or I want to meet my soulmate or I want to start a business that I love or I want to move to a new city. There's a lot of excitement and usually that excitement is then met with massive fear and a lot of self-criticism. And so I think the first step is being ready for the backlash of fear and being ready for the backlash of self-doubt And then once you're ready for it, you can really move through it. Uh, I think that when starting something new and and really jumping into a creative process, if you can find your why, why am I doing this in the first place? So Mm -hmm. in the book I share, are you seeking better health, longing for a renewed passion, aching for deeper personal identity? Find your why. And when you can find your when you can find the underlying motivation that is going to inform all of your actions, then when that inner doubt comes up and when that fear comes up, you can have a conversation with it. And so you can say, Hey, listen, the part of me that feels like I don't deserve it. I hear you. I know that when you were 10 years old, you know, such and such situation occurred and you really did walk away feeling like you don't deserve it. But now you're an adult and I'm here to remind you why you do deserve it, because this is going to bring you happiness and this is going to give you fulfillment. And this is going to be an opportunity that you have been longing for. And you, re- you introduce a- something new to the conversation. Um,
0: What if somebody says, why do I deserve this? Let's say I want to open a bakery or let's say I want to paint or I want to um, do ceramics and jewelry design. How is that going to better the world? Why should I be so deserving to have this life? How does that better the world for me to release my creativity?
1: Well, I think the answer may be slightly different for each person. However, I think the deepest and most true piece of the word deserve and, and if someone's deserving is everyone deserves to be happy. There's not one person on the planet that doesn't deserve happiness and fulfillment. And so some people are called to open a nonprofit organization and feed hundreds of children in South Africa, while someone else is called to be a stay-at-home mother and have two children. And someone else is called to open a bakery. Making the world a better place is not always about, it's not a numbers game. The most important life that you need to change first is your own life. And if you can master your own happiness, it's hard enough to take care of yourself and to know yourself and to live a balanced, fulfilling life for yourself. And so start there. And so if you're opening up this bakery and you're thinking, oh, but, you know, how, why am I transforming the world by creating hand-painted cupcakes? Yeah. Well, does it make you happy? Yeah. What fulfillment does it give you? Why are you doing this? And yeah. suddenly the person might say, oh, well, you know, when I was young, I have so many wonderful memories. I used to bake every weekend with my right. grandmother right. and... Every time I'm with my family, I bake these cupcakes and people love them and they laugh and they smile. And yeah. now, I'm, now I'm baking them with kids at kids' birthday parties and it's so much fun. Mm-hmm. Well, that's enough. I mean, that's more
0: than enough. You've touched on so many of the things that are in your book throughout the course of this conversation. And mm-hmm. one of the things that's in your book towards the end in chapter 14 is you talk about letting go and perfectionism. And that is something that I know holds a lot of people back. Mm -hmm. is that fear of inadequacy, or not going to be able to do it right, or not going to be so great at it. So what do you talk about in that chapter? How do you let go of that?
1: Well, I think that perfectionism is an incredibly self destructive habit. And the great thing about habits are that you can change them. So (laughs) no one, no one's born a perfectionist. You're not a anyone who's had experiences around children, you never see a six-month-old perfectionist. Right. You never see a one-year-old perfectionist. Right. Perfection is something that we learn. It's a learned behavior. And so if we learn it, we can unlearn it or we can learn a new way. Yeah. And I think that overcoming perfectionism requires letting go and letting go requires self-acceptance and really embracing the fact that nothing on this planet is perfect. So why would you ever think that you would be? And it's a process. However, if you can look at the different parts of yourself as interesting, and if you can have curiosity about the different parts of yourself, rather than lashing out at the different parts of yourself. Mm -hmm. I think that's a first step. I think if you can look at yourself and your life with gentle compassion and look at the fact that there are areas of your life where you're an expert and there are areas of your life where you're a total beginner and all of them are wonderful
0: and, and you're like an art therapist. I mean, essentially, <laughs> you're like, you. honestly, you're so well-spoken. You're so compassionate. And you've done so much of your own work. It's so obvious the way that you were able to hold all of these pieces, the way that you are able to honor all of it and keep going. And you've built a very successful business. Like at the end of the day, everything you're saying, even though it's has so much depth and wisdom and it's so... know someone could say touchy-feely it's like no no this works on a practical level like this has been written about in the new york times in all of the publications you've talked about this is on the ground a complete success and probably because it started with so much integrity and your intention is so pure so in this book which came out today do you feel like this process of going through the book would be good for any artist no matter what their craft or no matter what kind of business a person has do you feel like this is an exercise that's going to be opening and freeing and helpful for anybody or only for artists
1: i actually think that this book will be great especially for non-artists and certainly for artists you know the the wisdom of creativity if you're if you've been painting for 20 years you're already familiar with obviously some of the the keys of of art and and what you can learn and how you can evolve as a human being through being creative. However, the book is really geared towards the person who has dabbled with creativity or the person who has not dabbled with creativity, but really wishes he or she was more creative. Mm -hmm. And while the book at first glance looks at, looks like 15 art projects that anyone could do And they're very step-by-step. The steps are easy to follow. You could do it on your own. You could do it with friends. You could do it as a family. What ends up happening through engaging creatively is that you walk away with steps like, wow, I have not felt that relaxed in 15 years. Or, wow, I'm so uptight when I am at work. But this art project, forced me to let go. And that felt so good. How else can I practice that? Or, huh, I really realized that if I give myself the space to slow down even right. 15 minutes a day, yeah. through watercolor painting, I'm so much better of a mother or a wife or yeah. a partner or a leader, or, you know, and, and there's, you know, it goes on and on and on. And so I think the book really is about And it's for anyone who, A, wants to flex their creativity muscle, and B, wants to live a more fulfilling, purposeful, and empowered life. And so if you can sit down and do an art project, and you realize, wow, I never thought I could do that, but darn, did I do an amazing job. (laughs) Well, then you start thinking, well, where else in my life might I be not giving myself enough credit? huh, I really did always want to start that stationary business. And I really did always want to travel on a safari. And wow, I really was always afraid of X, Y, Z. But now I really see, here are some tools that will allow me to work through fear or overcome my fail, you know, my fear of failure or feel more relaxed or release my stress. And so um, the, I think Instead the of book thinking is for, about it,
0: you're doing something exactly and gets you out of your head and you start to take that chance and dip your toe in the water. Like you said, and it starts to, you have like that felt sense experience, something shifts. So exactly. tell us where people can find you. Where do you want to send people to your website, the art student New York, tell us where to find your book. Tell us everything.
1: Sure. The book release your creativity can be found on Amazon. It's also uh, at Barnes & Noble, and you can find it online at Barnes & Noble or across the country in different Barnes & Nobles. It will be in a variety of different arts and craft stores. The easiest, and you can always just Google it and see what is the closest store. And like I said, you can always just order it online on Amazon. Mm -hmm. You'll get it the next day. And uh, there's a lot more information about me, about the book, about workshops that I give. Uh, Mm -hmm. I'm in the midst of developing an online art class program for people who are really wanting to live a bigger, bolder, more meaningful life and using creativity as a practice. And my website is theartstudiony.com. And then on Facebook also, we have a Facebook page for Release Your Creativity where people will be posting the artwork and the different projects that they're doing as they work through the book. So certainly find us there. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Oh my gosh. Well, that was such an incredible story of your own journey as an artist and then how you parlayed that into helping other people, whether they're artists or just human beings who want to have a better quality of life. So thank you for sharing all of this with us. Thank you for writing this book. Thank you for caring so much about other people that you kept going because your why was really to serve and you're doing that.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. And I encourage everyone to take a few minutes to just think about what's your why and to to commit to it and to take baby steps. It does not happen overnight, but if you can take, Little steps towards that which your heart longs for, you really will create an incredible
0: canvas of your life. It's beautiful, Rebecca. Thank you so much. I already took a peek at the book and I know it's going to be such a huge bestseller and I can't wait to see what happens. So, um, guys, go check it out. Uh, you're going to love it. Rebecca, that was awesome. I'm so glad you were here. You had so many wise things to say. Here are some takeaways. Number one, it's not enough to make great work. You also have to have a great attitude. Number two, We need art. It gives us a sense of being alive. It feeds our soul and creates a connection that we can't get anywhere else. Number three, you need to be your number one fan. Number four, write the scene of your success before it even exists and act like it already does. Number five, when we begin a new chapter, there's excitement but also massive fear and self criticism. Finding our why will help us overcome that fear. Number six, the most important life we need to change first is ours. And number seven, there are areas where you're going to be an expert and areas where you're a beginner, but they're all great. Thank you guys for supporting Don't Keep Your Day Job. Please give us a shout out. Tell your friends about it. Post about it on Instagram. Post about it on Facebook. Tweet about it. You can support our sponsors. When you support our sponsors, that is one of the best ways to support us. And we choose sponsors who we feel we really love. So we're going to give you value and you can get some free great things to support our sponsors. And by supporting our sponsor, you will be supporting us go to no sign up for the challenge. When you sign up for the challenge, not only am I going to keep you accountable, keep you inspired, check in with you and want to see your work. But in addition to that, I will be featuring several people who do this challenge on the show to be my guest and feature you and interview you. So I cannot wait for that. Stay tuned for next week episode. Gretchen Rubin will be here and I cannot wait to talk about her amazing career. I read her book, The Happiness Project years ago, and she has been up to such incredible things. So stay tuned. I'll talk to you guys next week. I want to give a shout out to the amazing team who makes this show possible. Special thanks to our executive producer, Tim Street, and producer, Emma Kikuchi. The podcast is a production of Authentic. For more info on advertising in this show, visit AuthenticShows.com.